0: Boag World is brought to you by headscape.co.uk and Shopify.com, a designer-friendly e-commerce solution. For information, go to Shopify.com forward slash world. On this week's show, Paul asks if web designers have a bad attitude, and I talk about contracts, and we both take a look at working with browsers. Hi Paul, how are you
1: doing? Hi Paul, how are you? Hello,
0: Paul. Hi Paul. Hi Paul and Marcus.
1: Hello and welcome to the first ever BoAngWorld.com podcast. World! Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of yeah. Hello and welcome to the 155th episode of BoagWorld.com, the podcast for all those involved in designing, developing and running websites on a daily basis. My name is Paul Boag. And my name is Marcus Little
0: Lil- 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 <laughs> <But laughs> I can't <you> say <laughs> <he's>, I was <laughs> going to say. He's got... Oh, it's 10 o'clock. on a Monday got, morning, the weekend after my birthday. Yeah, and you've got two cups of coffee sitting in I front of you. I have actually got two on the go. <laughs> this wasn't planned. <laughs> and I've got a pure glass yeah. of water. Clinking them together. I brought I brought Chris a coffee in, witnessed this, and he'd already made his own one. Yes, and not made you one. Correct. Very selfish.
1: So really. I thought, well, I'll drink them both then. Yes. He's yeah. in a grumpy, foul mood today, isn't he? Being
0: childish over chairs and... I don't know. I'm not sure what it's all about. Yeah. I don't know. We mm. win new work and he's grumpy. I know. <laughs> what well, can you say? Yeah. He's a strange man. Yeah. So you have... I had, know what he of course, I know. Ooh, I'm banging my clothes. It's because we're going to South by Southwest. And, and he's not? not. That'll be it. <laughs> That's what the... That'll is. be it.
1: Talking of South by, don't forget to um, come along to live recording... We're desperate for people. We have got like thirty eight people who've signed up to come along so I don't far. think
0: it's gonna be in a huge room.
1: So no, I mean, it should be nice and cozy yeah. and it should be fun. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got a good lineup of speakers. You get it'll be your best opportunity to get to speak to people like Jeremy Keith, Andy Budd, um, Daniel Burker and Joe Stump. So come along to that should be really good. We have got a room now, haven't we? Hilton B. Hilton B. And uh if in you- the Hilton.
0: Over the road. Yes. Which a lot of things are apparently. Oh like, yeah, yeah. There's load it's, they're using five different rooms now. I think I think the, the main keynote Oh are yes, are it's always there. over at the Hilton. Yeah, or yeah. well, it was last year, it, wasn't it? Year before. Year before, was it? Mm.
1: So um, we're going to be doing a live recording and you can find out um, a link or find a link to that at bowragworld.com forward slash podcast forward mm. slash one find five. So we've included that in show notes. So you had a birthday over the weekend, you? did you? I didn't wish you a happy birthday. I do apologize. That's all right. Well are you hundred and four well,
0: now? Not quite. Getting in that direction. Dead but, soon. I'm, you're over halfway. but certainly over halfway, yeah. <laughs> well over halfway. We don't know, but probably, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs>
1: Judging by your lifestyle.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing I'm not going to get to 84, but you don't know, do you? Anything's
1: possible. So that yeah. means you're 42, then. I'm
0: 42. There we go. Yes. So I am stuff. hugely enlightened.
1: Ah, is that what happens when you hit 42? Yeah, well, it's the meaning of life, isn't I it? I thought
0: that was sort of 46, or am I show my ignorance? Now you don't know, do you? No. 42 is, according to Douglas Adams, the meaning of life. I'm sure we've been over this already. Yeah. I always Um, got 46 stuck in my mind for some reason. No. I don't know why. Shows my ignorance. Hey,
1: we've got a proper advertiser. Does that mean we're a grown-up podcast now? Uh, Or we're desperate, one of the two. I don't know. No, no. they, (laughs) they, 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 They wanted to hand us money, so we took it. Which is shopify.com, which we mentioned at the beginning of the show. Um, I hope you guys don't mind us doing advertising. I guess we've been doing it for a while and you didn't have to endure an advert for the website owner's manual or get sign off, which has got to be an improvement, mm. really, all things considered. And we did review Shopify ages ago on the show, didn't yeah. we? It's a good product. So check it out.
0: Yeah, I think, um, well, it's sort of if everyone objects massively, then we'll stop doing it. Yeah. But if it's like, we don't care. Then we'll carry on. We'll carry on, yeah. Yeah. Probably take on lots more advertisers.
1: <laughs> 80% of the show adverts, maybe? <laughs> Something like that. Do you think that. that's too
0: yes. much? And, and really unpleasant subjects. Yes. That, you know, like, like, trying to flog you. Yes. Nasty thing. I'm sorry. And, and we could drop them in at
1: random intervals, <laughs> just to surprise people. So mid-sentence, suddenly go, and check out
0: Shopify.com. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be great. It's subtle. I'm going to have to try and remember that that's what you just said when I edit it, because I'm not going to edit it today. I'll edit it tomorrow, probably. What have I said? What, what are you talking I'm going about? Drop and no, 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 I really can't string more than three words together. Oh dear, you're gonna be oh. good then. Hey,
1: we've got a couple of bit of housekeeping to do talking about advertising and pimping our own stuff. Oh, this gonna- is kind of cool stuff. Well, it's not really, is it? It is just like... Well, yeah, who cares unless you live around here. Exactly. Yeah, was, so um, two bits of housekeeping. Really, I apologise for this. I'll make it quick. Um, Headscape have got um, some office space that we're looking to rent out. So if you are looking for a small office in the Hampshire area of the UK, um, then you can find out information and, uh, on the via the show notes, com forward slash podcast forward slash 155. Also, you might want to have a little nose at it anyway, even if you're not in the area because it's got video tour of our office hmm. which is very pretty um, second we're also recruiting so yes. we're, we're looking for an enthusiastic talented developer, why do you, nobody ever says I'm looking for <laughs> yes, that, a, a boring, useless, doesn't care yeah. <laughs> developer, so it almost goes out the they're saying, um, so you can check out again the job advertisement on BOAG World um, and all the details about how to apply anyway enough of such stuff that probably only we care about yeah. let's move on to the news Boagworld.com Okay. So, I mean, it's probably worth saying as we kick off the news um, that you can subscribe to our news uh, and not just the ones that we do in the show. Ooh, plane. There's a a very noisy plane going ahead. Yes. You can subscribe not only to the news that we do in the show, but loads of other web design news stories that we keep you constantly fed with via our RSS feed. Mm -hmm. And also you can follow BOAG Links on Twitter as well, if you're a Twitterer. First up, then, the fact that um, uh, Future of Web Apps Miami has been happening over the last week, and I'm deeply resentful that (laughs) I can't get the guys at Carsonified to to invite me to speak at that. Um, And I even tried getting them... Their logic, very flawed logic, is that I'm a front-end user experience person that should be... what do you know about applications? What do I know about applications? (laughs) Which, okay, has a grain of truth. So I then tried to, to persuade them that actually wouldn't be good to alternate. So Future of Web Apps is in New York one, uh, one year, and then Future Web Design could be in Miami. Yeah. Although New York was very cool, but I would like to go to Miami again. Hmm. So anyway. have never been to Miami. That actually isn't the story at all. Have you not been to Miami? You've nope. been everywhere.
0: I've been to pretty much every state in the States, but we never went to Florida. Mad. Really? Mad. Ah.
1: Well, there you go. Yep. Have you not taken your kids to Disney or anything? Only Paris. Uh, you haven't done it properly then. Amateur. <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> so that uh, yeah, isn't the story. But actually, it was about somebody that was um, speaking, at, or an organization that was speaking at Future Web Apps, which is why I mentioned it. Um, and that, at all intents and purposes, from what I can gather on Twitter, they stole the show. And it was the guys at 28 North who showed off a new product called Atlant... Um, Atlas, I think he said Atlantis, watch too much Stargate, that's my problem. (laughs) Um,
0: Atlas. So Atlas is built on cappuccino, which... I've just got to pull you up. You've written in your notes 280 north, 280 north, not 28 north. And 280 is correct, and I'm sure that's what I said. It isn't what you said. Let's not listen back to the (laughs) tape. Uh, (laughs)
1: 280 north, yeah, yeah, or whatever, they don't care. Um, They don't listen to the show, it'll be fine. Mm. Um, So Atlas... Yes, Atlas is built on Cappuccino, so immediately Marcus takes some interest because there's a coffee content that sounds there. Sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Yes, which is um, a Cappuccino. If you don't know, Marcus is an open source framework, that and you knew before you looked it up. Right? I did actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do my research. Okay. I like to stay abreast of things. Um, so, yes, it's an open source framework um, that allows you to build desktop like applications for your web browser. So, it's a quick way of building web apps, basically. Yeah. And that's what they've done. They've built um, an application called At- um, Atlas. I still want to say Atlantis, mm. it's so annoying. Um so 280 North. Ah that's what I said. I said 280, didn't I? No. I'm sure I did. No, you didn't. <laughs> I'll play it back to you afterwards. Okay. okay. Um 280 North have <laughs> already demonstrated the power of Cappuccino before when they released 280 Slides, which basically was a browser-based version of Keynote and it is incredible. You ought to go and have a play with it, Marcus. It okay. really is awesome. If you have to ever have to give a presentation over the internet, and you don't want to use something like, um, what is it we normally use? Web, um, something, GoToMeeting. Mm -hmm. You could use this instead, because it would be just as good. Okay. Um, However, um, Atlas uh, takes things to a whole new level and really kind of blows uh, 280 slides out of the water. In essence, it provides like a uh, WYSIWYG GUI environment within your browser to help you build desktop-like applications. So um, it allows you to build cappuccino applications without actually writing any code, and it does all of this within the browser. So, for example, um, there's a video demonstration that they, they give of building an RSS reader, okay? Mm-hmm. And they literally build it in, you know, a few minutes. It's in- incredible. And it really does blow your mind. But... Well, first thing I should say is that in no way do I want to take away from their achievement. It's incredible. It really is very, very impressive. And it just leaves you kind of going, wow, basically, we can fire all these developers now and just do stuff straight here. <laughs> <Yeah. coughs> Even Marcus can build applications. Yes, exactly. <laughs> However, after I got over the initial impact, I did realize that I had seen this before. And it's very much like Adobe Flex, right? And anybody that listens to this show on a regular basis knows that I'm not exactly a huge fan flan of Flash. <laughs> flan of, yeah, of, oh I'm not a huge fan of Flash. It really is Monday morning, isn't it? It is. Um, it's a mistake. However, I have to say, uh, the more it, Jeremy Keith actually made a really good point about this, which is that. There is a fine line as to when you should be using Ajax and JavaScript and stuff like that and when you should be using flash, and that a lot of these very complex applications that you know aren't ever going to be very accessible aren't you know ever going to be. Uh, you know particularly they're so complicated they can't run without javascript it's like well you might as well build them in flash then because flash is actually quite you know quite an appropriate tool for this kind of stuff Mm. um i'm and so i have to say i'm not sure whether this is the right tool for the job or whether flex should be uh, is a better example i mean there's no real advantages as far as i can see and i'm sure someone will correct me in the comments but I really can't see the advantage of of building in Cappuccino rather than building in Flash, as far as complex web applications are concerned. Um, and in fact, Drew um, pointed out uh, this in a really good post, one of the best posts I've seen from him in a long time, called "The Cost of Accessibility." And Atlas throws up all kinds of accessibility considerations, even if you ignore the fact that it's built on JavaScript and so is reliant on JavaScript. Mm. Um and, and in some ways Flex is a much more mature application for that kind of thing. So anyway, I don't know. Watch the video of Atlas, read Drew's post and then compare it with Flex. And once you've done all that, post your thoughts in the comments. I would really like to hear people's opinion over you know whether this is actually a really use- useful application or whether it's just very mind-blowingly impressive. There's a kind of difference, isn't there? Yeah. So anyway, moving on, our next story. So while we're still waiting patiently for the arrival of IE8, um, Apple have gone ahead and released their first beta of um, Safari 4. And in fact, it's not just, well, it is a beta, but they're actually, when you go to the um, Apple website and go to Safari, um, then this is actually what they're offering you to download. So you, you know, they're not even offering
0: you IE3 anymore. So yeah. it's available on IE3. both. Did <laughs> you I 3 really, I... You're really not with it oh, this Monday morning. Monday mornings, you, should, <laughs> you shouldn't record this early, my, early on a Monday. Yes. I really like using IE3. It's one of my favourite browsers. <laughs> Perhaps I need to start drinking coffee. You know, I can't remember IE3. Can't you? Oh, I do very vividly. Oh, well. Can't yeah. move on. Too
1: vividly, really, in many ways. Um, Although I haven't downloaded Safari 4. It is, it's, well, it's quite interesting. Let's talk about it for a little bit. First of all, it's available on the Mac and the PC. Okay. They've got some really impressive UI improvements and a considerable bump in performance. In fact, they're claiming that it's 30 times faster that Internet Explorer seven, right, and three times faster than Firefox three. Well, oh, I the- might move over then.
0: Mm. Oh, cool! Ooh, it's Dropping it's money, throwing on. things everywhere, it's throwing money around. That's how rich I am. have. One reason why I use Firefox on the Mac and not Safari because of plugins. I'm guessing. Nope. no, no. Nope. You cannot set on Safari three uh, multiple homepage tabs. And it's ah, that simple. They can do that now.
1: Okay, it does. That's one of the things it now supports. Um, so in actual fact, they've borrowed heavily, <laughs> borrowed heavily from both Firefox and Chrome, um, and so it's got some good things. Here's here's some cool stuff it's got. First of all, it's got top sites right which is an attractive kind of very mackie kind of Mm. display of your frequently visited websites so when you start the browser you can actually see thumbnails of all the different sites you go to often and you can yeah you can pin them as well so they don't disappear yes chrome does that Mm. uh that you'll be saying this a lot (laughs) um they've got a full history search now this is good right So you can search through the titles, the web addresses, but also the complete text of recently viewed pages. Okay. So if you think, oh, I'm sure I read that somewhere, you can search and you'll get it back, which I think is is very good. good. And I don't know whether the others do that. I don't think they do. They now offer cover flow for your history and bookmarks. Slightly pointless, (laughs) but quite nice nonetheless. Um, they've, They've moved the tabs to the top like Chrome. Oh, I, don't sure I like that. yeah I'm not sure I do either i've got mixed feelings about that it's if you think about it because you're mainly interacting with your mouse within the main window of the obviously yeah. the web page, and so you've kind of got to go further mm. in order to click you know click a tab also it feels like it makes it more fiddly for dragging the window around i don't know I'm, I'm not sure about it. Um, and it's interesting because Andy Clark um, expressed some concerns about the UI. I mean, he said about the tabs on Twitter. Tabs um, uh, uh, in the, in the real world filing cabinet sense of it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, don't change size according to how many files you have. Um, and that do that, yeah. So if you the, the tabs always fill the whole width. So if you've got one tab open. The tab, cute. like, takes the whole width. And if you've got two, it's half the width and four Yeah, I it, mean, yeah.
0: Firefox does that. And so does I, to a certain extent, as it gets... You get there, yeah. they're a certain size, and then they get a little bit smaller Yeah, as you but start filling it up. It's, it, they've taken that to the extreme, and it, it doesn't work very but the well. But point, the point, even more so, real-world tabs in a real-world filing cabinet are attached to the... The actual document. The document. Not above wrong, the menu. And the menu is tools. It's stuffed extra stuff. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Sorry, mm-hmm. wrong...
1: Well, anyway, I, really then, I this. mean, <laughs> this is minor, minor niggles, I guess. Mm. Um, and, you know, they've got some cool functionality and we've talked about some of that. Other things it does is it, um, it's got a smart address field now, which automatically completes web addresses and a smart search field that uses Google Suggest. Um, and they've also finally, hooray, introduced full page zooming, um, to, you know, like the other browsers. Mm hmm. So um, which is a benefit, I guess, for us as as web designers, the fact that they do that kind of is another nail in the coffin of having to do N-based design and all of that kind of thing and improves the options for fixed width design. So mm. now all of the major browsers are pretty much there over that. Other, but it does have other benefits for us as web designers. Obviously, the substantial speed increase is is really good, especially on websites that we build with, with which are JavaScript heavy. It um, now supports Acid Three, so we should get excellent CSS support, which is good. Um, but also, and I think most interestingly, is that they talking of ripping off other browsers, they've seriously ripped off um, Firebug. So they've now got really good web developer tools built in, which is superb and very, very useful indeed. I was very happy with that. So there you go. There are some minor um, UI niggles, but some impressive improvements as well. So check that out. Okay. I have to say, although um, Safari 4 is exciting, it does bring yet another browser for us to test on. Yay! I have to say, increasingly, this is becoming unbearable. You know, at one stage, IE dominated the marketplace, and if you were particularly good, you would check in Firefox as well. Now you've got Firefox, (laughs) Opera, Opera, (laughs) Opera chrome oh, safari then you've got safari 4 safari 3 you've got i7 i8 i6 you know it goes on doesn't it oh stop whining I, I just being a web designer it's a hard old life um not that i do much browser testing these days i have to admit um not that we don't as headscape yes. hastily. <laughs> it's just i don't personally um <coughs> yeah. so i mean i i is is i mean also the other big problem is that it's really hard to run these browsers side by side so like ie is particularly famous for this not being able to run Mm. them all side by side um however it's not actually alone even with safari 3 and 4 you have to do some hacking which i've got a link in the show notes to how you do that hacking Mm. to get them running side by side there was a post um how to run safari 4 beta and safari 3 on the same mac That's a very accurate described title. (laughs) Um, Explained how to do that. So there's a link in the show notes for that. Um, There's also growing, but fortunately, there's a growing number of services that kind of aid this process of browser testing. Um, And uh, the trouble is, they are all over uh, the web and you don't necessarily know about them and all the rest of it. But luckily there is now a post over at freelance folder, which um, has brought together seven tools um, into a nice handy list that you can look through. Some of them are free, others are paid. Some of them just provide you with screenshots. Others that give you a full navigable experience. Um, and there's loads of them. Um, few of them are crossbrowsertesting.com, i.e. Tester, um, Browser Camp, which has missed out the e, <laughs> <laughs> <Browser>. Litmus, <laughs> Netrenderer, Browser Shots. But the one that that seems quite impressive from my point of view. Now, how do you say that, that first one in the list? Xenocode. Xenocode. Yeah. I hate or if it. you're
0: American, Xenocode.
1: Xenocode. And yet it's spelled with an X. Yeah. Why do they do that? Anyway, Xenocode browser sandbox seems pretty impressive. Again, there's links in the show notes for you to check that out. But go read the review as well because the, you know, the, the, the actual post um, provides much more detail than I have in the show notes. Yes, unfortunately, no amount of testing is going to make up for the shortcomings of all these browsers. browsers, And so that brings us on to our last story for today, which is so, I mean, whether you want to talk about the lack of browser radius support in IE or Firefox's failure to render text shadows, every browser has its limitations. Um, and in fact, there's quite a few things that no browser does that would be very nice if they would, Mr. Please, browser manufacturer man. <laughs> um, Unfortunately, JavaScript can help overcome some of these limitations. Uh, but plugging those kind of holes with JavaScript can be quite a lot of work. If you haven't discovered 15 JavaScript, uh, sorry, jQuery plugins to fix and beautify browser issues, which is a, a plugin, uh, sorry, is a, um, a post that Stanton has found. This week for us and it is excellent. So you, there's basically a list of a load of plugins that, that make up for shortcomings in browsers, um, and include things like supporting rounded corners in IE without lots of unnecessary code, getting browsers to display columns of equal, you know, of equal height, mm-hmm. um, cr- uh, cross browser text shadows, fixed position footers, preloading images, fixing IE's overflow problems, increasing the size of click targets, vertically aligning an element, and so on and so on and so on. So you get the idea. Check those out. Really good list of plugins. The only word of caution I would give is be careful using third-party plugins, um, even if they are well-coded. Obviously, if they're not well-coded, you're going to have lots of problems. But even if they are well-coded, they may end up conflicting with other plugins Um, so you can end up with problems so use them lightly so there you go that's the news for today i think we're done and ready to move on to our feature all right so uh, a little while ago did the 10 harsh truths about corporate websites and where i looked at the the problems companies have running their websites Um, Unfortunately, companies don't seem content anymore just to run a website. (laughs) They also want to run online communities as well. So I followed up with another post, which is the seven harsh truths of running online communities. And I want to talk about that. Now, I think I want to put a big disclaimer at the beginning of this, which is that I'm actually really excited to see organizations embracing the idea of online communities. And I've always been very enthusiastic about communities. And in fact, I've been um, running communities since 1996.
0: How old and decrepit does that make me sound? Um, The problem, though, with a lot of companies that want to run communities are because they they don't want to be missing out because everyone else is doing it. Yes, which
1: (laughs) is not a good motivation, is it really? Yeah. Um, So anyway, let's talk about... I mean, let's talk... First of all, let's talk positively. Let's talk about the benefits of running a community because I do talk about this a lot with my clients um, at Headscape. So uh, a well-run community can drive traffic to your site. It can generate a passionate, uh, almost evangelistic set of users. Mm -hmm. Um, It can encourage repeat traffic. Um, It can help develop your products and services and it can save you money. So there's a lot of benefits. Um, However, there are also some harsh realities which I would like to share with you. The first up is that when clients talk about building a community, they almost always talk in terms of technology. So they they come to us and say, "Oh, you know, can you can you add a forum to our site, or can you allow users to create profiles, and you know, all of these kinds of things?" But um, just as in the um, ten harsh truths of corporate websites, I wrote about CMSs and how you know uh, having a content management system isn't going to solve your content problems. While in the same way, mm. having a forum is not going to create a community communities ultimately are about relationships and people not about technology i mean you can have a forum like vanilla up and running in minutes but it can take months of hard work to build a vibrant community um also that people have this habit of they launch a community um, tool like a forum and they sit back and go okay so now a community is going to spontaneously appear Mm. and obviously it's going to fail if you do that Um, You know, it's a bit like a telephone is the best idea. It would be like saying, I'm going to get a telephone and then I will always be in contact with my friends. Well, Mm -hmm. only if you actually use the telephone and, you know, pick it up and engage with your friends at the other end. You know, having a telephone doesn't create friends. (laughs) 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 If only that was true. Maybe it's a really gold, shiny phone. Maybe. you might, people might... Might like you. I think you're stretching a point. I think so, so, um, so that's my first point that technology does not create a community. My second point is that you need to show some blooming commitment to your community. Running a community takes commitment. Um, you know, and it, I think the problem is is that many website owners launch their community and they don't see fast results, and so they just give up. You know, it can take years for a community to show real return on investment. You really have to put lots of time into it over a prolonged period of time to see results. And it's not even just about the length of time your community has been running. It's also the amount of input you put into it. A lot of people don't really nurture their community it needs to be nurtured on a daily basis literally you need to reply promptly to people's posts to encourage conversation and be monitoring
0: your community multiple times a day i would also say that the kind of returns that you get from a community aren't very measurable kind Uh. of returns so it's you know it's a bit like our the way we market ourselves to a certain extent we don't use things like Google AdWords where you can sort of measure how effectively it's no Uh, it's more a case of sort of like well let's just get ourselves out there and try and talk about stuff and hopefully people will notice Mm. that we might occasionally know what we're talking about Um, and it's the same kind of thing it's about creating uh, creating a place where good things hopefully good things or good vibes can come out can start to happen more and more between your potential yeah. customers. And the great thing about this approach if if you
1: get it right is that it ripples out, you know, mm. they will start telling other people and that was why I was talking about evangelistic very poorly. Yeah. Um you know that it does kind of ripple out and it it, it can be ultimately more effective but it does take long-term commitment. Um, it also takes commitment to the individuals within your community. There's no point of having a community if you don't take on board their input or address their concerns or encourage their contributions. You need to invest in these people if you want them to show kind of loyalty to your site. Anyway, enough mm. on that rant. Um, now, this, is, this sounds a bit arsy, this next one. But I really sincerely believe this is that you need to learn how to lead Um, And so many people, uh, so many organizations don't lead their community. They don't take charge of it. And I think part of the problem is that the leadership skills you're taught in business are managerial skills. Mm. And they're not the same because people in a community aren't obliged to listen to you or do what (laughs) you say. You know, when I talk to staff here at Headscape, ultimately, they have to do what I say because I'm paying their wages. But that's not true in a community. It, it doesn't work like that. You need to inspire and excite and encourage people. And I think companies are really bad at doing this. Mm. I, I the, the analogy I use is you have to be more like a politician or a preacher than you do a manager. Yeah. It's about mobilizing people and stamping your personality on the community. And unfortunately, there's not many places you can learn this kind of stuff. But actually, I think there's quite a lot you can learn from looking at inspirational leaders, you know, People like, I know this sounds arsey, but people like Gandhi, people like, you know, Martin Luther King or even Barack Obama, Obama is a, a good example of somebody that draws people together and galvanizes communities. And the kind of language they use and the way they engage with people, um, it, it's really important that you kind of get your head around this this way of interacting, this way of leading. Quite pretentious, but quite important, I think. Fair point. And while we're talking about personality, I think um, as part of your leadership of a community, um, you need to accept that your personality and the way you present yourself will set the tone for the community, right? So, certain bloggers that will re- remain nameless have in the past really complained about comments, right? And there are a lot of people that are very negative about blog commenting, okay? Because they say, "Oh, people are just." Heads on the internet can i say that word We have a clean tag probably not i apologize um you know they're idiots on the internet you know they always post negative things yet i've never experienced that not once well no that's not true once when i had a big spike of traffic when i did that Mm. that controversial article where i pretended to be a complete well the word (laughs) i said earlier actually (laughs) um and, and some people didn't get that, and it, 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 it. But but it became viral. So lots of people that didn't know me and weren't part of my community started posting comments, and yes, there were negative ones then. But within my community, I've had nothing but encouraging, brilliant feedback, really good contributions. And I think it's about the tone that you set as the leader of your community. And as I look at the people that have complained about commenting on blogs, if I look at the post, the way they post and the style that they post in, then I think that's reflected in the comments they get back. Mm. I mean, the most severe example of this would be um, dig.com, mm. right? Dig has, has built a bit of a reputation uh, of encouraging um, harsh and juvenile comments. So a lot of the comments oh, yeah. that they get on, on Dig are a bit kind of teenage boyish and and very childish and immature and uh, and quite negative and it's become a little bit of a problem with dig but i have to say that i think that's primarily come from the leadership um, of its founder kevin rose and the way that he presents himself in the associated podcasts that he does dignation and the indignation that the comedy is very irreverent, it's very comical, it's, it's highly entertaining, it's a brilliant podcast. But I think that users have picked up on that and haven't done it as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That he does, he's very, he's very natural, he knows that line, he walks that line very finely in in indignation but people have picked up the style but haven't done it as well and he's attracted a certain audience through dignation and i think that's become reflected on dig.com and that's not a criticism of dignation um you know dig has become very successful because of the passionate users that surround the dignation podcast but i do think he's he's reaping what you sow so to speak
0: so, based on all of that, then that must mean because you don't get any nasty comments no, at all. No. Uh, we're really nice people. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do think. I think that's what you're saying, Paul, and there's no point in trying to argue it. <laughs> uh,
1: I think we're not. We tend not to be nasty about people.
0: No.
1: Um, or oh, no point. It does t- come back and bite you. Yeah. So I'm just saying. <laughs> exactly. And I- even in our humour, it's. We're quite careful, we're quite self deprecating in our Mm humour. And I do read what I sow with that. Mm -hmm. People, you know, I will meet people and they'll instantly start being rude to me, you know, even though they don't really know me.
0: Um, but that's, that's because so many opportunities to <laughs> take the piss right now, but I'll try not to, <laughs> <laughs> but they, they've picked up
1: on the way that we, we communicate on the podcast yeah. and, and even my own self deprecation and they do that back to me and that's fine. And I have to live with the consequences <laughs> of my own presentational style. But you do, you reap what you sow, you know, and if you're rude in your, pod, in your podcast or in your blog or mm. in the way you communicate, expect people to be rude back to you. It's just the way it works. Yeah. Anyway, we've kind of Move made on. the point, yeah. Um, the next thing you need to do is learn some humility um, and swallow your pride. No, sorry,
0: I don't know. I don't understand those words, any of them. <laughs> Neither do you.
1: <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, no, I, I, look, when you run a community, you're going to mess up. It's inevitable. And when you do, it's of crucial importance how you respond to that, right? I I do show humility. I'm going to argue (laughs) with you over this. Remember the classic example, right, of when uh, we reviewed WCAG 1. And I completely, completely and utterly misunderstood. That was just boredom, though. (laughs) I began to zone out, didn't I? Um, Anyway, I gave completely the wrong information, and hilariously so. Now, I could have got all defensive about that. I could have come up with some BS that
0: justified what I was saying. There's so many different ways I could have responded to it. And you thought that no one's ever, they're not going to believe a word of this, so I'm going to have to be... Uh,
1: you have to, yeah, you
0: have to be honest and you have to... weigh up the options, can I get away with this? No.
1: Yeah, but, that, but a lot of people don't do that. Yeah. A lot of people, when they get backed into a corner, they, they become defensive, um, you know, they really respond badly to confrontation. Um, and 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 to being looking stupid you sometimes have to just fez up and say look i've screwed up here Mm. um and the web makes it worse as well because you know we've got um because of the distance that is afforded by the web people are more critical than they are face to face you know um feelings are often overstated and 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 they come across as being more aggressive perhaps than they really are because we don't have those non-verbal signals that we're
0: used to um and you also once you've typed something you can't take it away yeah
1: exactly <clears> um <throat> so you know communities can fail if you respond badly to criticism you know never respond um defensively to criticism you receive on the web instead acknowledge that criticism and actually thank people for their honesty even if you disagree with what they're saying um ask others within the community. Whether they agree and what they think of it, because then they can come in and say, no, I disagree. You haven't had to be defensive and they're actually defending you on your behalf, which is brilliant. Mm. Unless, of course, they agree. And if the vast majority of the community agree, then you have got a sincere problem that you need to address. Um, so, and what's great about this is if you take this approach and you do admit your weaknesses and you do correct those um, and you're honest and open, people can who have been negative towards you and critical within your community can actually go away more enthusiastic about your brand or whatever it is that you're mm. promoting than they would have been beforehand because you've responded in a good way. Next up. And this kind of follows on from that, which is stop controlling your message. You know, if you work in marketing, you might feel slightly uncomfortable by some of the things that I'm saying. It feels very messy and you're not really in control of what's going on. Well, I'm sorry to break it to you, but that's the reality of community. Community is not a broadcast medium, it's a dialogue with your users. Mm. Um, and I've seen, I really, communities fail and experience a terrible backlash. Because the people within the community are simply fed up with being sold at and talked at instead mm. of listened to. Mm. Um, you know, Users participate in the community partly because they want to be involved in shaping that community or even shaping the, the, the product or service or organization behind the community. Um, and you, So you, you need to stop broadcasting at people, stop speaking at people, but engage with people. But also, there's another thing that you see a lot, which is kind of related to this, and this is the subject of moderation. In extreme cases, I've seen organizations moderate every single user contribution that appears on the site before it goes live.
0: BBC does that.
1: I know. It's ridiculous. I mean, the BBC have got the size and momentum to probably get away with it.
0: Yeah, and I think they do it for quality as well. Yeah. It's not just sort of is this appropriate and they is don't, it, are these good posts?
1: They don't have what I would call a full blown community either. No. So yes. they're they're probably a bit of a bad example, but the National Trust used to do it. Yeah, well and their
0: forum died. Well, and it didn't it even, didn't start. It didn't
1: even it wasn't even born. No. Yes. I've also seen companies remove negative comments about their products or services. But this is counterproductive, really, because people feel censored. And so what do they do? They go elsewhere Mm. and express their feelings in an environment where you really have even less control and maybe don't see that they've posted negative comments. You can't respond to them. Mm. So you simply can't control community. It is going to exist. It is going to um, grow somewhere. The question is, You know, where is it going to grow? Is it going to grow in an environment where you can contribute to it and you can be a part of it? Or is it going to pop up elsewhere where you've got no control at all? Um, The next point I want to make is um, the fact that nobody likes to be alone. Right. It's like being the first person to turn up to a party. It's very awkward, (laughs) isn't it? It's it's a horrible moment. Um, So too many organizations launch a forum with a plethora of topics and discussion areas. That basically lay dormant and unused, um, and the reason is it's basically it's because it's empty. That you're the fir- you feel like you're the first person at the party. You need a critical mass before you even launch a forum. You know, too many. Too many communities are launched simply because, you, like you said, right at the beginning, because everybody else has got one or they mm. feel it's the trendy thing to do. Or worse still, because somebody in management decides that it should happen. And communities like that rarely succeed. You need a load of people who want that community before you even begin it um also what's this tendency to go straight to forums let's let's launch a forum (laughs) everybody thinks a forum is the the thing you should do to have a community but actually forums are quite a heavy duty community tool Mm. um because you know they they've got lots of you can have lots of threads and stuff can get lost and disappear behind all of that you know maybe start your community with something like comments or reviews or a mailing list where everybody sees every post you know, and also you need to be in there seeding discussions and stimulating conversation and that kind of stuff. So there you go. That's that's my lot, really. That's my seven tips or oh, my seven harsh truths, should I say.
0: Yeah. Um, so it's good for us, you know, forums and... Communities—they don't—they only have seven harsh truths, rather yeah, than 10. rather than ten. So you know, so there we we're go onto a winner. Yes, he's really. better, really.
1: I mean, you might be—you might after hearing this talk go, "Well, this is far too much like hard work." You know, what's the point of doing
0: it? Well, we've said that to many a client. Yeah, basically. We,
1: but I, I actually think in many cases it would be a mistake. You know, uh, communities can be really cool and very very powerful, mm. um, but you need to commit to them and you need to follow through. Um, and you need to engage in the discussion, basically, um, and actually engage with users rather than just lump- dumping it on your site and hoping it grows. So there you go. That's uh, the feature for today. Let's talk about feedback from you, the dear listener, uh, the community. Let's engage yeah. with our community.
0: <laughs>
1: so, yes, talking about engaging with our community, our question this week comes from Dave. And from the forum, he so did. Dave posted to the forum. He was didn't actually want us to answer. He wanted the community to answer, but we're going to anyway. Damn I su- him!
0: I suspect that the, the community has already answered him. Um, far far, far better. Than I, that yeah, exactly.
1: To, hey. <laughs> so Dave, Dave, Dave. You would bring up a subject that Marcus could talk about, and it's yawn contracts and legal stuff. Could I be any more
0: bored already? I went, and had, I went and had a little kind of look around the forum the other day. I don't do it very often, and it was like this one had been posted like two minutes ago. I thought, oh, that's a good one. I can answer that. Well, hey.
1: <laughs> so anyway, this is what Dave wrote in the forum. He said, I'm in the process of sorting out contracts and legal stuff. Um, and I came across this article, which is a, the 24 Ways article um, uh, that Andy Clark wrote. And I think it's a fantastic example of a contract which is well written and doesn't sound too stiff, if you know what I mean. Does anyone else have any examples of tips when it comes to writing a contract? Obviously, Marcus is our
0: contract guru. Yeah, I'm not really. Chris is. But he always runs out of the room when... the uh... Uh, when it's time to do podcasts it was really so he said to him because he always moans doesn't he yeah. about getting I'm, kicked out, can
1: get me out of the and so he said to him look stay in and you know he worries about his t- the noise of typing i said people can endure the noise of typing all you need to do is at the beginning of the show we'll just say and, and chris is in here typing say hello chris <laughs> and all he had to do was say hello but he wouldn't even do that no,
0: ran away scared
1: I, d- him- I think he hates our listeners <laughs> So if you want to send him hate mail, send it to chris.scott at (laughs) headscape.co.uk. Oh, that will be
0: so funny. Please, just somebody, one person do it because he (laughs) won't know what to do with it. (laughs) Excellent. Right, that's made my day. Uh, Right, contracts. So um, why have a contract in the first place? Maybe some of this I've covered in the past, but hopefully um, I'm going to look at uh, uh, particularly writing contracts in that aren't too stiff, as it was said in the, in the in the in the question. Yeah. Anyway, it's bearing in mind that I've never actually had to refer to one of the hundreds hundreds of contracts that I have put together for Headscape.
1: In yeah, the past that's seven interesting. Isn't it is isn't a fair it?
0: question to say why why do you have them? Yeah. And really, it's just that it kind of focuses both parties, us agency and client, um, on the job and what's required to make that job happen, and Wait, when, when it all it, needs happening, and all that kind of.
1: It's thing. about getting people to
0: take it seriously. Yeah, and it's also a comfort blanket. Yeah. You know that it's there. So if anything does go wrong, there's, there's all this stuff in place yeah. to kind of make it... We've got no idea it. whether our contracts would stand up. I think they would, but I'll come on to that. Oh, okay. Anyway, so how do we actually do it? How do we set up our contracts? They are always, well, not always, but certainly <coughs> in the past sort of two or three years, we split them into two different documents. One, a statement of work, which mm-hmm. I, I know I've talked about some of this in the past. Uh, and the second are, are, are our terms and conditions. Yeah. So statement, statement of work, terms and conditions. The statement of work—it's basically just—it's a, a, a description of the project written in standard English. It's mm-hmm. not all kind of notwithstanding and referring yeah. to subclause 14b and all that kind of stuff. It's just—it's it, just a more solid version <laughs> of the original pro- proposal. Where in the proposal it said we could design X. Yeah. Uh, but the Statement of Work will say, Headscape will design X. Yeah. So it's just kind of turning. Shouldn't we be saying that in our proposals anyway and being confident that we're going to win? No, because often a proposal, you are making suggestions. Ah, okay. Yeah? Yeah. Whereas a Statement of Work, a contract, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, it covers the usual stuff, tasks, responsibilities, testing, technology, project <laughs> management, timescales, pricing, payment, milestones, blah, 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 all of that yeah. stuff specific to that project. It's a detailed detailed outline of the project uh, and that can be compared to a schedule in, in some contracts. Yeah. It's just, a, it's a description and it's not kind of all legalese. Anyway, yeah. i repeat myself now. We also have a standard set of terms and conditions that ideally from our point of view, just simply refer to the statement of work that I've just been describing. Yeah. So there's a line in there saying statement of work means, and it means whichever mm-hmm. it refers to a particular project. Um, And therefore, the two are bound together. Our terms and conditions are bound to that particular project. Yeah. All standard contracty type stuff. But our terms and conditions (coughs) are written using fairly legalistic terms. And though this can sometimes mean that our clients, who are not versed in legalese, and some some are and some aren't, it's quite interesting. Some people really get it. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. But anyway, I'm going off on a tangent ever. Sometimes it means they have to take advice on what we're proposing – uh, but I can't remember anyone ever complaining, And oh, why do you write it like this? I don't yeah. understand it. They just sort of, they, if they don't understand it, then they'll take advice on it. Do you think our kind of more like legalese
1: terms and conditions are only appropriate to the size of clients that we have? Because we have quite large clients. I mean, even compared to, to Andy, and I know Andy does some some large stuff, but obviously we're a bigger organisation. So do you think it's more appropriate to have more legalese the bigger you get and that actually, you know, freelancers, etc., would be better off with Andy's kind of way of doing things? Well, I'm going to... Actually, know And I'll,
0: I'll... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't interrupt, should you? I should. No, 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 that's all right. No, it is a fair point. And I think, I think a contract written in layman's terms... Is better than no contract at all. Yeah. Okay.
1: I'd say, but I've got to say, in an ideal world, I'd say it's better than a legal ease load of stuff.
0: Well, come on, I'm not not sure. Okay. Um, All right. Sorry, I'll stop. I I think I disagree. Okay. But um, and when I agree that it can be irritating, and it's and although I can now understand a fair amount of it, it's taken me years to learn what I do know. Yeah. it's, it's another language yeah it's a code of its own and this is quite an interesting one i used i once worked with a lawyer we were both in one of those in between jobs which was quite fun actually uh but when he said when he was attending a class at law school on the subject the teacher said that legalese existed only to allow lawyers to charge the rates that they do oh uh, yeah <laughs> right. hell yeah of course and i think i think his tongue was in in his cheek a bit but on reflection this makes sense it's a legal code, code that takes years to study and yeah. master. So that's absolutely true. I'm not sure. As I keep saying, I'm not really sure. But I guess my only concern, and this is, this is the point. Okay. If you produce a, contr- a contract using layman's terms, will it be dismissed in the event of a dispute mm. by a lawyer? Yeah. Probably, yes. So yeah. therefore, uh, well, not probably, yes. That's too strong. I'm, I'm just, it's a worry. Yeah. Do you know
1: what I mean? But then you know, there's this plain English campaign, and Mm. I don't know.
0: I just if if there was a dispute where it went to court and there were lawyers involved, yes, but okay, all right. But let's all right. I'll play devil's
1: advocate here. Mm -hmm. If you're a freelancer, Mm -hmm. okay, not us, but a freelancer. If you're a freelancer, um. Having friendly terms of service that are easy to read and approachable reflects well on you, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and probably helps in the relationship and establishes the right tone with the client and does all good things like that, which we lose because we have legalese,
0: okay? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't think we do. I think it's, there are levels of it. Okay. There are contracts written to to confuse people.
1: Yes. which Ours isn't is, one of no, those. No, 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 I know that. But my logic being is that okay, if that came up as a an issue, if the if the, the you know a project fell apart and stuff like that, one is mo- most of this stuff for freelancers will probably be resolved in a small claims court. Probably, yeah. Um, which changes the ball game. Mm-hmm. And two, even if it wasn't a small claims court. They're probably not going to be able to afford to go through with the prosecution against a larger client, anyway, with you know bigger funds available. As I said,
0: uh, I think that any contract is better than no contract, right? Uh, literally, if it's uh, you know a couple of sentences, yeah. So and so is working for so and so to do yeah to do this job, yeah. That is a contract. You yeah, can both sign it. Yeah, uh, and I'll come on to that as well. Okay. Um. Just I'm just I've got a list here of the kind of things that our terms and conditions include. Okay date of the contract yeah who the contract's between mm-hmm. so that was the you know, there you go there's two things yeah yeah um, so but you with who the contract, contract is between are the actual legal entities yeah so often you know uh, uh, you might be contracting with um, a, a kind of parent company yeah rather than the company that yeah, you're yeah. building the website for it's yeah. usual stuff really definition of your terms is quite a good thing to include because they okay. explain all these legal terms that yeah. you're using um usual stuff like obligations deliverables and this is i know that deliverables is a horrible sort of legal term but it's obvious what it is yeah. stuff you deliver yeah um payment ipr and this is the important thing to get into a contract it would be the next thing to go in after sort of who it's between and what you're going to do who owns what what they can do with it and when right and that's what we what, uh, what we're referring to there <coughs> confidentiality, liability, that's the biggest sticking point. Yeah. That's the one that always comes back with red ink all over it.
1: Yes. Um,
0: And we try and make sure that the liability in our terms and conditions is equal. So, you know, if we mess up, then, you know, we're liable. If you mess up, you're liable. And often some client lawyers will say, well, yes, you are, but we're not. And it's that kind of thing. There are certain things in there like, um, you, you know, we build a um, a system, content management system for a client uh, who then puts a load of images that don't belong to them, and we get sued because it's our uh, okay. content management system. Yeah. Uh, so there's like you know we make we make a point of saying that we're not liable for that. Yeah, that's a good. thing. fairly obvious stuff, really. But. Well, it's not. I wouldn't have thought of it.
1: I mean, it depends. It's obvious to you and Chris because you and Chris do this kind of stuff. But I, you know, I've never even thought about that
0: mm. we might be able to su- be sued for something like that. Yeah. I mean, we. the chances are we never will be. No, but, but you've got you to know. think about it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, a couple other things that include sort of when <coughs> it's, uh, you know, if, if somebody defaults on it, then how it can be terminated, the contract. Um, governing law, i.e. which country's law yeah. is being used in this particular case. And signatures of the party, mm. parties. Um, and I put an exclamation mark next to that. I'll come on to that. Anyway. What why, 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 why
1: if you put it next right, to it? I'll put it next oh, to the, the final
0: point here I've right. made here, and I'll have to go, go back, is make sure that the damn thing is signed. Right, yeah. Okay, you go through all this effort. Because <clears yeah, throat> you put all this effort into creating documents. You need to make sure that they are signed. This sounds obvious, but I have had the odd client over the years that to avoid their internal legal team has given the okay to the documentation. They've said, yeah, yeah, great, fine. No problem. Yeah. Because they don't want to take it to their internal legal team. Right. Yeah. Okay. But they've always found this excuse not to sign it. Yeah. Because and, they don't want to then be committed to something that they haven't passed via their legal team. Exactly. And they sort of say, uh, you know, is it, uh, we kind of, uh, Chris and I have had these conversations and we say, well, we are getting paid. Um, and and we've, we've been completely paid for projects that the contract has never been signed. And it's always this, uh, you know, it, it, it's usually really big commercial clients yeah. are the worst case because they don't want to go and get it all looked at no they just sort of go yeah yeah it's fine it's fine and then but you get paid I, your initial li- I can the-
1: imagine it happening at the other end of the spectrum where I oh, would we'll do it all on a handshake mm. you know there's that kind of mentality as well with smaller stuff
0: indeed but you it, it comes back to the point if it's not signed then you so, may as well have not bothered yeah uh, and then you've got no leg to stand on yeah if it goes or it be wrong mm. final point then it's not a fight Right. It isn't. Be prepared to negotiate and, you know, be accommodating. Uh, it's quite rare that our terms and conditions come back with no amendments on them at all. Right. Oh, okay. Um, we believe that responsibilities and liability are evenly balanced, but often, as I've said, clients' lawyers will disagree. Yeah. And they'll scrub out all the stuff that it puts any liability on them. A cynical person might say that they're just looking for these issues to justify their fee. Yes. Um, but it's possible that particular points that we've got in our terms and conditions, even though we think they're very fair and, uh, and equaled out and balanced out nicely, that it just doesn't work for that particular client. Yeah. Um, um, a good example of that would be we include the line and exactly this the, con- the contractor, us, shall have the right to incorporate in a readily viewable location a credit and hypertext link in the deliverables. Uh, in other words, we can have web design by Headscape. Uh, a web design by Headscape link on their site somewhere, uh, yeah, in a readily viewable location.
1: Now I was reading somewhere I can't remember where I read it where somebody really objected to
0: uh, to that.
1: Well, quite a lot of clients do. Yeah, uh, but th- no, it was a web designer that objected to us writing that, or not us personally, but yeah. people writing that into their. Well, the argument is always, the- what's
0: it got to do with the with the content on the site? That's always the argument. Yeah, you know, it's just an advert, and I don't want adverts on my site. Yeah. Um,
1: uh, I mean, is that not my, uh, that strikes me as a classic example of, you know, when you um, you kind of, you know, a, a, cli- a client, ins- I shouldn't be saying this, but a client insists on having more than one design concept, even though you know the right one. So you do one that's absolutely terrible ju- or you purposely leave a mistake in, to, in a design just so the client can, you know, pick it out and feel like they've achieved something and they won something. Do you know what I mean? You kind of I, no. I've got no idea what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> so it's almost like that
1: having something like that. It's okay. Yeah, we drop that, and uh, then you feel like you've given some ground. It's Am a, I saying too much? No, that's not. That's not true
0: in that case. Oh, at is all. it not? Okay. No. With, that's what, I'm, what I'm trying to say here is, with T's and C's, if people come back with objections, unless it's ridiculous, <laughs> get yeah. with it. You yeah. Know, if anyone's going to take a risk here, and I'm and I'm talking about with kind of proper clients who, you know, not startup companies, uh, you know, a proper organization that's, does business, obviously with lots of other clients, then you should be, if there's any risk to be taken, then you, the new contractor should be taking that risk. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, um, yeah
1: I mean, we've, we sure. even signed, do we not? We signed, Terms and conditions that aren't ours. Well, if, if an organisation has got their own standard terms and conditions, we've been known to use those, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. Um, actually,
0: that's my next note actually says that. Well, you, you, <laughs> said you, you said that that was your last point. So I presumed you I hadn't finished it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> then I preempted you. Um, yeah. I mean, basically, some, some organisations will flatly refuse to sign your terms out. Our terms and conditions yeah. you have to use ours, is what but that's say. Fi- I mean. That's fine as mm. long as they're so reasonably fair and you know, at least you've
1: got some terms and conditions signed, yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's the, the your contract is down there
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, it's not ideal because often these types of contracts are general contractor, right? Uh, terms and conditions <laughs> that apply to physical delivery of the deliverables yeah. by lorry, you know, yeah, and all this kind of stuff. Um, but generally speaking as long as you can refer to your statement of work or there's a schedule in there that you have had some say over yeah. about this is what we're going to deliver and how we're going to do it then you know that's better than nothing at all yeah what I keep coming back to so um to in summary contracts are good for everyone uh, and worth investing effort in them but make sure and i guess this is a kind of fairly major point Make sure that you take legal advice if you're not sure what a client is asking you to agree to. Excellent, it.
1: good stuff. Um, so I think about wraps up today's show, does it not?
0: I believe it does.
1: Have you got a joke?
0: I found one earlier. Excellent. Done a look for it. Ah, here we go. <sighs> An elderly man on his deathbed. He's on his deathbed, even. I can't... I'm still, did, still hopeless. And you can't point the finger because you haven't been able to s- pronounce half your words today. Yes, but I'm managing to be this coherent without the injection of two cof- uh, cups of coffee. Yeah, I need another one. Anyway, sorry, <laughs> I shall start again. An elderly man is on his deathbed. Although he can feel the end is near, his senses are suddenly aroused by a wonderful aroma. He realises his loving wife of 60 years is baking his favourite cakes... He finds the strength to drag his tired body to the kitchen and as his frail, withered hand reaches up to the table he suddenly feels the whack of a wooden spoon as his wife barks Get off, they're for the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'd rather liked. That is very <laughs> <lurking>. good.
1: <laughs> OK, thank you very much for listening to this sweet show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Me too. If he says so, myself. Yeah. Um Don't forget, please uh, sign up for the um, live Bowie World at South by Southwest. It's upcoming dot uh, yahoo dot com forward slash events or event forward slash one eight three six triple three one eight three six triple three. Thank you very much. Snappy upcoming URLs again. Yes, yeah, so yeah. you can check it out in the show notes. BowieWorld forward slash podcast forward slash one five five. Yep. Thanks for listening and goodbye. Uh-huh. Hello, world of Bohem. It's like being on David Letterman. Show, visit bowedworld.com forward slash contact. Call 020 8133 5122
0: or join our forum at bowedworld.com forward slash forum.